Have you noticed how often we use the word hopefully? Hopefully, the traffic on the way home won't be bad. Hopefully, the family will behave itself at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> it's a kind of hope in which people look into the future and ascertain their options and then choose one that pleases them most. Hopefully. But there's another kind of hope, much more profound and infinitely more important. Synonyms for it would be uh, confidence, a high degree of certainty, awareness of the good that might happen, hope. This is what we find in today's scripture lesson. This comes from uh, 1 Thessalonians, probably the oldest book in the New Testament. Paul is the founder of that church, and this is a, a bit of correspondence between their founder, apostle, bishop, and the members. They have a problem. The problem is that members have begun to die. These are people at a very early stage in Christianity where they believed that Jesus was probably going to come next Saturday. And here it was the first generation of the baptized were beginning to pass away. What about them, they said to Paul. What's their future? Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant, and I do not want you to mourn as those who have no hope. Hope. Then in highly imagistic language that's characteristic of, of this form of biblical literature, he says that at the day of the end when Christ comes in glory, these dead friends and brothers and sisters and family will be raised and will join Christ and will live with Christ forever. And then that wonderful phrase, with these words, encourage each other. Hope. Look to the future, even the future of the dead, with hope. Now, where does this come from? What basis would Paul have for coming up with this idea? What's his foundation for this? Well, in most of the New Testament, all of the New Testament, in fact, there is this intense focus on Jesus Christ. Always at the center. In fact, in my uh, humble opinion, a large part of what's wrong with the church is that we forget about Jesus all the time. And the writers of the New Testament tend to want to focus on the core 
of Jesus. They want to get down to brass tacks. Now, understand Jesus here as God's demonstration project. This is what God wants us to know about God's person and how God is with us. And we long for this. We pray for it all the time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Show us, God, show us what it looks like. The heart of the matter becomes the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In his death on the cross, we see a cosmic struggle between God and all the forces of evil that you can imagine. And God wins that struggle by nonviolence, by love, by the embrace of forgiveness, and evil is brought down. This is the sign Please hear me. This is the sign of how committed God is to us. How faithful God is. How steadfast God is. How dependable God is. Look to the cross. But the story's not complete unless we talk about what happened on the third day when by the power of God, Jesus was raised from the dead. And this says to us that there is nothing that can stand in the way of God's life and love, not even death. Astonishing. That's the basis for the hope that Paul lays out. I don't want you to be like people who have no hope, he says. The Lord Jesus will bring about resurrection. In many of the churches of the world, when you enter, you pass a baptismal font at the entrance. That's not an accident. Baptism represents an, an, an important intersection between our lives and God's life. There is a point in time and space using the elements of the earth in human life where God acts on us. It's not about having kind of kind thoughts and kind of, well, I guess I love Jesus. No. It has to be public, it has to be concrete, it has to be real. In baptism, God makes some promises. I will know you personally, intimately. Second, I will never leave you alone. Nothing can stand in the way of my being with you. And third, I will redeem your life. That is to say, I will take what happens to you, the woundedness, the pain, the fear, 
the hopelessness and I will replace it with new life. Now, that's not to say that we'll get what we wish for or on our schedule, but it means that God will always be active in our lives, making good out of the pain, out of the woundedness, out of the perplexity of life. There will be resolution. Some of you are probably familiar with uh, Holman Hunt's picture of Christ standing at the door knocking. And that represents a true reality. Christ does do that. But I think there's an inversion of that that's maybe even more important. And that is that Christ stands at the door and opens it and says, come in. Come into the land of light and love and life and forgiveness. Come in. That's a baptismal image. Something we can build our life on. Thanks to the good graces of uh, Father Fuse, uh, this past week I was able to have uh, a, a Zoom time with the people who are being confirmed and received this week. And I heard their story about why they're here at St. James and why they are seeking confirmation or reception. And it was a story about God pulling them back to their baptism. And they're saying in these acts, I claim it again, I believe it's true, and I want more of it. And so through the laying on of apostolic hands, more of the Spirit is given. And they are confirmed, that is, strengthened and redeemed. Hope. That's what they were looking for. One of the ancient symbols of hope is an anchor. You know that thing that holds you in place, that keeps you where you need to be? An anchor. That's hope. We all need that. Without hope, we blow apart. This past week I was praying my way through Psalm 27 and a particular image struck me. The psalmist says, I pray to you, my rock. And I thought, boy, is that odd, praying to a rock. That's the symbol of how firm and dependable God is. That you can build your life on that rock. And that it will be the life of the Paschal mystery, that movement from death to life. That's hope. A couple of years back, I had to have uh, some brain surgery to remove a tumor. And there I was on the gurney, about ready to be wheeled into the surgery suite. 
They had given me some happy gas, so I was feeling all right. And the surgeon came out, cap on, and he checked that I was indeed the right person and all that sort of thing. And as he was turning to leave, I said, hold on, hold on, hold on a minute. I need to bless you. So I blessed him. It utterly confounded him. See, I figure if it's my head that's on the block, <laughs> that he needed a blessing and I needed some hope. Well, he had no more than left, then a very tall and large man came up, another physician, and I said, who are you? And he said, I am the anesthesiologist. And my job, he said with great gravity, my job is to keep you alive. Oh, I hope. My hope was in that medical team. And I put my life in their hands. Hope. We live by it. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I dare not trust this feeble frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Hope.